Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. They remain there. You know, every time I'm in the presence of the greatest generation, and it's really at the tail end of the greatest generation that I get to see these days. You know, they were young. Many of them were too young to have gone off and fought in World War II, but they were very much, it was very much a part of their lives. And, you know, they just something different about them. They're just so much more responsible, so much more committed, so much more patriotic. And I say that because I, I had a chance to speak last night in front of a group up in Boynton Beach, and this, it energizes me so much when I get around people who are not just thoughtful. Look, they don't have to all agree with me, and I seldom go anywhere where everybody agrees with me, <laughs> and that's okay, because you know how, how real your convictions are when you're asked a question. So I'm not adverse to, to having discussions or even to sticking out like a sore thumb. Like, I realize that the other day I was uh, talking to a couple of friends, conservatives, and they are so wishy-washy about everything, and I'm so not, and it, it really angers them. I'm not wishy-washy about the military. When I look at what we have done, how we have turned the United States military, the most incredible military on the planet, into an organization that's more concerned about how many transgendered, you know, little people are serving in the Air Force. We just have so completely lost our way. But I don't give up hope because the men and women who serve are amazing. And I got this, uh, this email from the Navy Office of Community Outreach. You know, U.S. Navy sailors, they serve and protect us all around the globe. And every sailor how to get their start somewhere. And so there's a st sailor who got his start right here in West Palm Beach. Lieutenant Juan Cardona is a native of West Palm Beach, Florida. He's serving at Commander Naval Forces in Korea. And he wrote this beautiful piece about the Navy's 248th birthday. He said, the Navy birthday means a continuation of a global projection of power, said Cardona. It means that I get to contribute to another 248 years of a powerful force, projecting power and deterring our adversaries on the high seas. As a member of the U.S. Navy, Cardona, as well as other sailors, know that they're part of a tradition providing unforgettable experiences through leadership development, world affairs, and humanitarian assistance. 
He says, to me, serving in the Navy means getting to give back to the country that gave my family so much, added Cardona. As a first-generation American, I get to enjoy the benefits that come with growing up in the United States. Serving in the Navy allows me to see the world and experience many different cultures. Since joining, I've gotten to live in Japan, Hawaii, and now Korea. I've sailed across the Pacific, faced off with our peer competitors, and contributed to our country's global mission. I've also had the opportunity to take my Florida State University education and apply it to real-world situations, literally watching and contributing to the international state of affairs. I love serving in the Navy, he said, and I love getting to keep my family and friends safe. That's a powerful statement. And that's the kind of emotion that I hear from so many of the men and women who serve. You know, I have a good friend, a dear friend who was a sailor. And, uh, you know, he, he, like me, is no longer that generation. (laughs) But boy, the experiences that he had and the level of commitment to safeguarding liberty is just, it's awe-inspiring. You know, so shout out to you, Kenny. Shout out to all of the men and women who served in any of the branches, from the Coast Guard to the Navy to the Marines to the Army to the Air Force to the Space Force. What an amazing, awesome country we live in. And even when it's pretty much on the brink of, 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 of giving up the ghost, I still have hope. You know, I saw these people last night. It was over 200 people were there. And every one of them just looking for answers and looking for ways that they can turn this very unwieldy ship around, loving this country and feeling demoralized by the political nonsense that they watch going on. And I think people find me, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a level of amusement when people hear me speak and actually see me in person and aren't just listening on their radio or on their iPod, iPhones, whatever they're listening on, you happen to be listening on now, when I'm actually there in the room with you, you light a fire inside of me that's incomparable. And and hopefully I begin to light fires all over the place. I want to be a fire starter. We're, We're at a very, very, very critical moment in the history of this country. And I am not willing to give up. I'm going to fight with my last breath. And when I go to speak in front of people who are willing to fight like that, I just get energized. You know, I saw my friend from the Second Amendment Foundation. My friends Larry and Sue were there, the, the people who put together Club 47. And you know, all of these people who don't just talk, they do. You know, I met uh, a gentleman, two gentlemen that were running for public office. Uh, I I saw Dan Franchise's wife, you know, people who are willing to put it all on the line. And it makes me, it makes me feel better because some days, I'll tell you, you want to give up. You want to throw your hands up. I heard some people who were really demoralized last night saying, well, what do we do? What if they steal another election? What if they, you know, they cheat? And, And all I kept saying is like, we have to have such an enormous victory that no amount of cheating will overcome it. That's what a landslide is. You just can't cheat your way out of it. And so I'm hopeful. You know, and I challenge everybody out there. I challenge anyone who ever served 
you know, in the military. Put your, if not your literal uniform back on, put your virtual uniform back on and get in the fight. I challenge all of the people who practice law during the course of their lives, or if you were a law clerk, or if you were a, whatever you were, an advocate, put that hat back on. Go stand at a pole and make sure that you're watching. And when you know the law, you won't let them push you out of rooms. So I'm convinced that this is entirely winnable. And when I look at the numbers every day, it just flies in the face of anything you might have learned in school. Like how does someone who's under multiple indictments, how does someone who the 98% of the press just literally lambasts and takes a dump on every single day, how does that person continue to go up in the polls? I'll tell you how. Because we're looking for a leader who won't lie to us. We're looking for someone who's not afraid of the fight. We're looking for someone whose only motive is love of country. Obviously, Donald Trump is not interested in the job. He's not interested in the money. And when people tell me, oh, but he's a, you know, he's a big ego. He's interested in the power. Give me a break. He could have way more power <laughs> without putting himself through what he's going through. Sitting in a courtroom with a bunch of lunatic Democrats who don't even understand that what's, what they're doing and how damaging it is to this country. But he takes the arrows, the slings and the arrows for us. And I'll be eternally grateful and I will support him. And I told everybody there last night, and I'm telling everybody in this listening audience, you must refuse to comply with any of the nonsense that's coming our way. And it's coming. Voting this way and not voting that way and Oh, don't vote for that person in the primary because I don't stand a chance of winning the general election. How many times do people have to tell you that Donald Trump has no chance of whatever and he lives to fight another day? Stop believing the lie and go out there and fight. You know, that's my new thing. I, I told everybody, I'm so sick and tired of everybody who's got the Donald Trump hat sitting in their, uh, you know, bedroom or or sitting on a, a coat tree in their foyer. Put it on your head and go out there and tell people why you support him. Every time you pull up to a gas pump, I had one lady tell me last night, whenever she's at a gas pump, she just shouts out to everybody, are you guys happy? Is this what you wanted? <laughs> and I get it. You got to get in their face like they've always gotten in our faces. You have to say, look, what a bunch of cheap charlatans we have in Washington right now. And then if somebody does stand up and push back against the, the swamp, uh, you know, I've said over and over again, Matt Gates isn't my idea of a hero. He's not. But he did the right thing. The agreement was that if the speaker didn't keep his promises, there could be a motion to vacate that, that office. And, and that's what happened. And do I care if, you know, uh, what uh, Nancy Pelosi is happy about it? I don't care. I don't care what makes Nancy Pelosi happy. I only care about what makes Nancy Pelosi unhappy. And what makes her unhappy is when Donald Trump is in the White House. So I'm hell-bent on getting back into the White House. You know, I'm watching these Democrats. They're twisting themselves in pretzels now over this border war wall. 
oh, all of a sudden, you know, the Biden administration is concerned about whether or not they're obeying the law or he's obeying his constitutional oath. You know, there's an expression that I can't use on the air. It's uh, not, it doesn't pass FCC muster. But I'm telling you, you, you were looking at a moment where if the Biden advisors didn't tell him, you better build that wall because that's the first thing they're going to go after you in this impeachment inquiry. And you're in the wrong. You cannot just, because you feel like it, decide that you're not going to take the money that Congress appropriated not once but twice to complete a section of this wall and even after you've gone back to Congress and asked them to change that and they've refused to do it, you don't get to just ignore it, which is what he's done. That's an impeachable offense, my friends. So they had to remedy that quick, remedy it quick. But they're not fooling me. It's a political move. You know, the first thing he's out there is telling everybody, I didn't want to do it, but I have to. You know, I didn't want to do it last year, and I didn't. I didn't want to do it the year after, and I didn't. And I really don't want to do it now, but I have to. What changed? Oh, that's right, an upcoming election and extremely strong numbers from the number one opponent who you're doing everything, Joe Biden, to make sure doesn't even make it into the race because he's going to wallop you. We get it. You're not fooling anybody. Anyway, don't forget, I, Derek will not be on today. Apparently, there's something more important than talking to his mother on her radio show. No, I'm just just kidding. He, he had to uh, record a segment, and the only time they could do it was at the exact time he comes on the show. So uh, just like any other good mother, I just, I just kind of take that kind of abuse from the kids that I love. Don't forget to download the app. If you don't already have it on your computer or you don't have it on your cell phone, you just go to the App Store, the Google Play Store, whatever is appropriate for your device, and you download the 850 WFTL app. Then you can listen to all the podcasts, all of them, not just mine, not just the no restraint, but everything. You can also get storm updates. It's a good thing to have. And uh, we're not tracking you. There's nothing weird. And we have a lot of contests that you could be perhaps a winner of if you only participated and if you're really just hell's the hell bent and or set against uh, having any more apps, then just visit the website on a daily basis, 850WFTL.com. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So, of course, you know, the Biden administration, uh, you know, declared yesterday that there's an immediate need to expedite the construction of the U.S.-Mexico border wall in Starr County, Texas. Now, I happen to have been to Starr County, Texas on one of my trips to the border with, you know, the organizations. I I forgot. I think it was with FAIR at the time. It might have been with a a congressional delegation. I, I, I just remember that. I loved the fact that Starr County 
had so many Hispanic Americans that wanted this madness to end. In any case, they're overrun, as are many, many border cities and border states, but now it's everywhere. It's not just border states anymore. Every state is a border state now. So DHS and this this clown, Alejandro Mayorkas, today says that he waived dozens of federal regulations. I, when I say dozens, I le- mean that literally, 26 in total, in order to fast track the construction of roads and barriers along the southern border in Texas. So they're going to put these barriers within the Border Patrol's Rio Grande Valley sector, which is an area that's been designated, I don't know, for the last 20 years as a high illegal entry zone. And the construction is going to occur in the vicinity of the Falcon Dam, the Arroyo Morteros Tract, the Las Runas Tract, the Arroyo Ramirez Tract, intersections of major roads such as Perez Road and U.S. Highway 83, and various tracks within the lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge. Ah, the National Wildlife Refuge. So in other words, there are all kinds of rules and regulations that have to be waived in order for this construction to take place because, God forbid, we should harm the natural habitat of some snail darter or whatever the creatures are that live there. And don't get me wrong, I love creatures. I don't think we should hurt creatures deliberately. But when it comes to securing our border, like the horn swallow, Kathmandu, or whatever the endangered species might be, really just has to step aside and let us preserve the country for the people. Mm, sorry, you know, if that makes me a humanist or human, humocentric. I don't know. Somebody called me that the other day. He said, what are you, homo sapiocentric? And I said, does that mean I prefer men and women over animals? Yes, I am. Why we would even engage in a conversation about that is ludicrous, but nonetheless, I was engaged, so I kept talking. In the meantime, I'm watching these new barriers that they're going to build. By the way, these are the same old barriers that Donald Trump was building and did build and would have continued to build if the very people who are now saying, it's the law, we have to do it, had let him. But hey, don't let me confuse you with facts, right? The funds, the appropriations that have been allocated by Congress during the Trump administration, I believe it was in 2019, the... (laughs) They only had one purpose. It was the building of a border wall in the Rio Grande Valley. It wasn't as part of the package, build the border wall. It wasn't in addition to other things, build the wall. That was its sole purpose. The money was designated for that and nothing else. So in order to build the walls and to build the roads to deter illegal immigration, the secretary, Mayorkas, determined that it was necessary under Section 102 of the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act of 1996. That's right. The IR, what was it? It's the I-I-R-I-R-A, I forgot. I used to know those initials like uh, the back of my hand. Anyway, he had to waive all kinds of laws and regulations and legal requirements 
which, by the way, were all invented by Democrats, of which he is a chief. So the wave statues include environmental and conservation laws like the and uh, National Environmental Policy Act, the Endangered Species Act, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. You probably didn't even know we had all these stupid acts, but we do, among others. And while the waiver grants exceptions to a wide range of statutes, the Department of Homeland Security noted that it doesn't revoke or supersede any previously granted waivers that were issued pursuant to uh, Section 102C of that same double I-R-I-R-A. That's how I used to say it, double I-R-I-R-A. Hmm. Sorry I have to drag that out again, but I do. Mr. Mayorkas has also stated quite emphatically, I saw him on a number of stations and I read a couple of different articles, that he has retained the authority to issue more waivers if he deems it necessary to meet the objectives that were outlined in the legislation. The legislation that has been in effect since 2019. I believe it's the end of 2023, right? So we're talking about for four years, they just adamantly refused to uphold their constitutional responsibility about this. And I'm supposed to believe that this week there was some amazing uh, flash of light that went off in Mallorca's and Biden and Harris's brains and all of a sudden they figured it out like maybe we should use our power for good instead of for evil. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful, but I'm ticked off. I really am because... This should have been done and could have been done a long time ago. People like me were calling for it. People like the Federation for American Immigration Reform. People like Numbers USA. People like uh, mayors and, and governors all across the southern United States. The whole team at FAIR worked tirelessly for weeks with all the few, well, all, with the few congressional allies that they have to ensure that the important policy provisions from the Secure the Border Act of 2023, which was uh, is known as HR2, were attached to a must-pass short-term spending bill. They got those provisions in there until the last minute when the House Republicans became divided over spending levels. And at the end, the immigration provisions and the spending cuts were stripped. And Congress substituted some stopgap measure that keeps government funding at the same levels, at the current levels, for 45 more days. And the fact that the Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, was willing to put this measure on the floor and to let it pass with Democrat support cost him his job. But you know what? Too little, too late, Kevin. You should have been behaving this way. From the get-go, there's no reason you couldn't have passed 12 appropriations bills and didn't. So that when you went in for this Hail Mary pass, you got nothing. You lost your your speaker's gavel, and now uh, there's a level of paralysis that's being felt until November 17th when another spending bill is going to have to pass. This is our opportunity. We can't fall short again. The nation depends on it. 
The stopgap spending bill was a very short-term solution, which gives us all time to make sure that Congress includes some very important policy provisions from HR2 into the next budget battle that's going to take place in mid-November. This is where you come in. Soon you're going to start receiving emails from everybody, from FAIR, asking you to contact the congressional leaders, demanding that the, the policy reforms that were found in HR2 be included in any new budget bill. So when those emails start arriving in your email box, make sure you act. You make sure your voice is heard. When people said to me last night, well, what can we do? We don't know what to do. Nothing seems to be working. Do these things. Stop letting some, stop expecting somebody else to take care of our business. We got to take care of our own business. Fair staff's going to be working around the clock. I was, I was speaking to my friend Joyce there. She's one of the fair uh, precinct leaders. I forgot what her official title is, but they're working around the clock because they understand that if we blow it again, then it could be blown forever. There is actually a slim chance, maybe not so slim, maybe a decent chance that sensible border reform might become law, but they need our help to do that. Congress has no respect for you if you don't speak. If you want to be respected again, if you want to be strong again, then you got you to gotta follow through. And by the way, I made a nice donation to FAIR today because I know how hard they're working. And if I'm going to support any organization, it's going to be one that's been fighting on the front lines of one of the most important battles that faces America today. Because if you don't think this affects elections, think again. So get involved. Don't, don't give me any more excuses. All right, I got to take a break. When I come back, I want to talk about a great article by D. Roy Murdoch. I think it was in the Washington, uh, not in the Washington, in the Wall Street Journal. And just massively stated as clearly as I've ever seen it stated, except by me, of course. Um, he and I both clearly state the same thing. And that is, stop letting people tell you that Donald Trump can't win the general election. And I'm going to tell you why you got to stop allowing that. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. So my goal is always to arm you, all right? You know, I, I am in the business of giving you the information that you need to win the fight, okay? And the fight is we have to stop allowing other people to tell us what is and isn't possible because they're hardly ever right when it comes to Donald Trump. That's just the truth. When they say, oh, he can win primaries, but he can't win the general election, that's not true. And never Trumpers will make this argument like and yell at you. And, and some of them will, will make it and, you know, they actually really admire Donald Trump and what he was able to do. And they sure would like to go back to a time when we had America first policies because they know this, this country is on its, you know, it's gasping. It's gasping for breath. And when they tell you, but, everything after but is an excuse. So they get really frustrated, and I know they're really frustrated right now, but people like me get very encouraged when we look about, look at the numbers of how he's doing in all these polls. And I, like I told you, a poll is simply a Kodak moment. It's a snapshot of that exact second and that exact group of people that were polled. It doesn't necessarily dictate anything, 
but polls trend in a particular direction. And that's what I watch. Are the polls trending in a positive way for the candidate or in a negative way? Are the polls flat? Do the polls spike? That's where I make determinations as to what's really going on in the country. And it is inevitable. And it shouldn't be very hard for you to be able to explain to people that when someone's poll numbers keep going up, no matter what anybody does to them or says about them, there is a a motion that's happening and you can't ignore it. You know, the ABC News Washington Post poll. Now, come on guys, I think we can all agree that's about as left wing as you're gonna find, right? They did over a thousand adults and they had Trump at 52%, at Biden at 42% among registered voters. So in terms of the popular vote, that kind of margin would be the same margin that you saw between Obama in 2008 and Biden in 2020. Because the, the story is that I love when they say democracy dies in the dark. Well, yeah. And in the story on the Washington Post, it died in the darkness of the 21st paragraph because the Post threw shade on its own survey. We don't know what we're doing, is what the Post said, literally. The, The research was so painful to the Post that it smothered its own story in all these caveats and and accused its own survey team of incompetence. Trump's lead in this survey is significantly at odds with other public polls that show the general election contest a virtual dead heat. First of all, should it be a dead heat? Think about that. President Trump is in court every day. President Trump has got multiple indictments against him. President Trump has been called everything short, including Hitler. And so if he's even at a statistical dead heat with Joe Biden, that's a miracle. That should tell you something. But the paper, of course, couldn't admit that. The difference between this poll, they said, and others, even though it was their own poll they're talking about, as well as the unusual makeup of Trump and Biden's coalitions in this survey, suggested is probably an outlier. Trust me, if it had been 52% Biden and 42% Trump, it would not have been considered probably an outlier. It would have been the gospel according to the Washington Post. They added, in May, a Post-ABC survey found Trump with a six-point lead among registered voters, 49% to Biden's 43%. Okay, so how do you explain that his lead is growing? Empathy. That's how you explain it. Empathy for Donald Trump gets greater the more the Democrats persecute him. And uh, at the same time, Joe Biden's popularity, yeah, he doesn't have any. How about that? You know, we're tired of his endless vacations on the beach. We're sick of his, you know, the way he struggles to be coherent on the national and international stages. We're tired of all the ethical headaches that have confronted him in the last uh, you know, couple of months with his son, the crackhead. Hey, listen, the son was a crackhead. I'm not, you know, 
I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know. And all of the displaced, you know, the, he, he can't stop himself from showing just how little he likes us. I mean, he couldn't even be decent when he went to Maui after a vicious wildfire had incinerated their homes and in many instances, members of their family, and he compared it to a kitchen fire. Now, look, the fact that Joe Biden has anybody who thinks he should stay in the office that he is currently simply standing in but really not doing anything in, well, it's a new, you know, it's a new world. And I'm watching people just literally not care that they still should have a voice. They shut us up and we get quiet. Not me. I, I, I'm, I've never been louder. I'm going to get louder, though. You can, you know, take that to the bank. I'm done being civil. I told the audience last night, yeah, I'm done. I'm not going to be civil. I don't care what you call me. I don't care how much my uh, Trump uh, accessories annoy you. I'm going to wear them everywhere. I'm going to get into a conversation with anyone who wants to poke me in the chest, and I'm just going to stick to the facts. You know, let's have the facts. And when you give them the facts, what are they going to say? What are they going to deny? That inflation is ridiculous? Are they going to deny that non-white voters like Hispanics and African-American voters in this country are saying like, hey, stop telling us, you know, we can't support Donald Trump. <laughs> they don't like it when you bring that up. They don't like to hear that gas prices are ridiculous and we have enough oil in this country so they shouldn't even be questionable. And let me tell you, the states where the presidential election was the closest in 2020, Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Nevada, and Michigan. I said this last night to this group. Well, guess what? In those states, Trump is leading 41% to 35% and 24% undecided. If he secures those battleground states, Joe Biden is a dead man walking. And if they split, if the two of them split the other 44 states as they did in 2016, their victories would look just like a post-2020 census reapportionment. Texas added two electoral votes. Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon each added one. And the states that lost an electoral vote, California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. So all Donald Trump has to do is triumph in the six swing states and the 45th president of the United States will become the 47th president of the United States. And it'll look something like 312 electoral votes to 226, which would be a much bigger victory than Biden had in 2020. Now, of course, the election is 10... What did D.Y. Murdoch say? Ten zillion light years away, but surprises are going to fill that void. And right now, Donald Trump doesn't just look electable. So stop listening to that. He can't win a general election crap. He's poised for a landslide. So start enjoying the ride. We're going to win. 
We're actually going to win this one. Anyway, don't forget, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, and then all the guys in the evening, and then the weekend officially begins. And, of course, on Monday, Jen and Bill will be back at 6 a.m., followed by Brian Kilmeade at uh, noon. Dan Bongino comes back, and then at 3 o'clock, I'll be back. So stay right where you are. I've got one segment left. So because I don't have Derek on, I'm not going to have a celebrity segment, but I did want to just share this story as the final story of the day. President Joe Biden's dog, Commander, is currently not at the White House. Why? Because he just keeps biting people. He, invite, he, he bit the White House staff. He bit the U.S. Secret Service officers. He, he just can't get his act together. And... The people are trying to be patient. The Secret Service and everybody is uh, trying to figure out ways to work through this. And, um, you know, how about the fact that this is the second time that a Biden dog couldn't get its act together? Maybe it's the dysfunction in the White House. Anybody consider that? This was a couple of hours after White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about a fresh allegation the commander had bitten a White House staffer. She referred questions to the First Lady's office, which said Commander and Dale Haney, the head groundskeeper at the White House, were playing and that no skin was broken in an incident that was photographed by a tourist and shared with a a couple of uh, news organizations, which of course published the image online. Commander had been involved in a series of biting incidents, uh, most recently on September 25th when a uniformed Secret Service officer was bitten at the White House that night and was treated by on-site medical personnel. The White House is a very stressful environment for family pets, was their comment. The German Shepherd Purebred has bit or otherwise attacked Secret Service personnel at least 10 other times. Now, can you imagine if there was a dog biting people during the Trump administration? There'd probably be an uproar. I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here on Monday at 3 o'clock. If it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Stay safe this weekend. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. See you Monday. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.